HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is brought to you by Hearst Ranch Grass-Fed Beef, available on the internet at hearstranch.com. listening to Let's Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica Wides, your host. Did you ever have the experience of going to a party or an event where everybody else in attendance got the memo that it was a casual dress event, except for maybe that one person who didn't? Or she did get the memo, but she pretended that she didn't. And so she shows up, or he, most likely she shows up all fancily dressed, Dripping with labels, designer, everything, in a sparkly dress and Jimmy Choo stilettos and one of those $2,000 plastic Chanel handbags and Gucci sunglasses. And it's just a lakeside picnic. And she stands there on the lakeside like a Vegas showgirl with her heels slowly sinking into the mud, kind of looking like a flamingo in a shallow sea of khaki and beige and navy and tasteful understatement. Maybe that that lady really thought it was a dressy event, and she wanted to use the opportunity to make a statement, to stand out, to look good, to tell the world, it's me, I'm here. She wanted to show the world that she's got, you know, she's, that what she's got. She wanted to show the world who she is, what she's got for once, and that's okay. Why not? We all wear uniforms of one kind or another all day, and sometimes it's fun to break out of that. Or maybe she's just that kind of dresser, you know, the flashy, tardy kind of dresser who's always a little overdone but but likes it that way, you know, wears heels to the park, things like that. She's kind of like a sexy pink sports drink in a cool bottle, designy bottle with all the added nutritioniness and vitamins and stuff that makes makes that poor water fountain just sitting there feel really lonely and unloved or the the fiber added no sugar added flavoring from a lab added little yogurt that makes that that little wee tub of plain yogurt feel kind of like a loser 
She's doing it for a lot of reasons, but one big one is to create a lot of flash and fluff to create a distraction. That distraction meant to hide a lack of substance or of quality inside, using her feathers and her frills to compensate for maybe what might be lacking. Is it low self-esteem? Or does she really just like to dress up? Well, food and foodiness are kind of like that, too. Food is like the quiet guy in khakis and the light blue shirt. Or the woman wearing the non-skinny jeans and the long sleeve t-shirt. Oh, hey, wait, that's me, actually. Just going about their business, quietly confident in their value, even if they're not the flashy dresser at the party. Food doesn't need to show off its flashier side because it knows what's inside. Food. Real, quality, actual food. No flashy, shiny wrappers or sparkles or dazzle. It's actually pretty plain, but quietly beautiful in its own way. It's like Peggy on Mad Men, not Joan. Although I do love Joan. Foodiness, on the other hand needs to make sure that we know it arrived at the party. Like like desperate reality show celebrities dripping in luxury brands and distorted with surgery and implants and fillers and followed by cameras and lights everywhere they go, even though they've never actually done anything of value. Foodiness and irrelevant non-celebrities can't sit quietly and telegraph their inherent quality because they don't have any. So they need to show it off. Just like the sparkly dress, high-heeled lady at the lake picnic. And that makes it all pretty simple when you're shopping for food versus foodiness. You just avoid the fancy wrappers, the sexy bottles, the shiny labels, or even more insidious, the faux healthy products. Faking quiet, earthy confidence. The ones that are usually wrapped up in brown, non-shiny wrappers and boxes that looks sort of earthy, crunchy to convey natural goodness. And they almost always have like a smiling sun or a farmer on them. Those are foodiness too. And basically, so if you avoid stuff in packages altogether and shop the outer edges of your supermarket where the real food is, you'll be okay. The fruit, the vegetables, the milk, the meat, the eggs, at least you'll be getting mostly food with minimal foodiness. Minimal being the key word here. Because you know, foodiness doesn't always come in the obvious form. You know that if it's a brightly colored package or bottle, chances are very good that whatever it is, it's not food. Water doesn't come in blue flavor. It could be foodiness or it could be just junk. But the packaging always gives it away. There's nowhere to hide when you're all tarted up in shiny wrappings and labels. There's no tree by the lake to hide behind when you suddenly realize you're drastically overdressed. Because when it comes to food and foodiness, oftentimes it's not so simple. And it can be downright deceptive. You think you're just buying food. And then they get you right down that rabbit hole of foodiness again before you even know it hit you. And you're tumbling down to the bottom with a shopping cart full of what you thought was just food. But it's like a hallucination or a bad trip. And the fish are swimming through cornfields and mooing and the milk Gives you an actual mustache and the healthy cereal bar just gave you diabetes. Yikes. Scary dream. So there you are. Just trying to eat well enough. Avoiding the junk and the foodiness whenever you can. Just an honest, hardworking American 
like Mitt Romney, trying to get by. And you turn on one morning your TV and your favorite morning news network news show is on. Like the Today Show or Good Morning America or whatever your local one is. Like here in New York, we have Good Day New York. You know, one of those shows, the perky morning shows. And they say, coming up, the best foods for your health. And you say, oh, great. Maybe I can learn something new. So you stay tuned and you sit through the ads for the cereal candy bars and the diet products and the adult diapers. And then on comes a too skinny, too tan, too perky nutritionist. And this nutritionist wants to talk about healthy eating. But the nutritionist looks just like the girls in high school who used to go puke after lunch and now go and puke after brunch. So anyway, you sit and you watch and you listen. I do, too. Well, I used to. I did. Up until a few years ago when I suddenly got the idea for this show. And now I don't. And she starts talking about how you should be eating less meat and more fish. Oh, okay, sure. I support that. That's good advice, I think. Then she goes on to say, the kinds of fish you should be eating are more oily fish. Yes, I totally agree with that. But then she says, you should try to eat them three times a week or more. And it should be things like tuna and salmon. Wait, 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 what? What did she just say? And then she ends it there and she walks out on her little spiky heels and we cut to an ad for adult diapers. This is where I should cue the sound effects of screeching tires and a car crashing because that's how it feels to me. She didn't really just go on national TV, say eat more tuna and salmon and then walk off. Did she? Oh, like when we equated like Saddam Hussein with 9-11, like that kind of information without any caveats or warnings or even details. No. Because it's a morning show and we're all in a hurry and we have email and Facebook to check and lattes to buy and the next segment is starting and it's all about who got kicked off The Bachelor last night or about some freak show family in Oklahoma that just had their 21st kid but it was born with two heads or an interview with Tori Spelling about her pedicurist or something much more important than important relative things like details. So what kind of details did our happy, healthy, tan, and January nutritionist leave out anyway? Oh, just the details about things like how nobody should be eating any tuna of any species at all for reasons I will get to very shortly. Or how, yes, wild salmon is great for you, but farm salmon is terrible for you and should be avoided wherever possible. And how the best oily fish, the ones you really should be eating, are the little ones like sardines and anchovy or Atlantic mackerel or herring. Because simply by living much shorter lives, those much smaller fish have ingested less mercury and other toxins, which I will get to shortly. But absolutely, positively not tuna and not farmed salmon. But here we are in Soundbite Nation. And that's all we get because we need our info in small bites. Teeny tiny manageable bites. Because our mouths are too full of cereal bars and instant protein drinks and Cinnabons to fit anything else in there. So you never get the whole message, just the bites. Like how McDonald's is now selling chicken bites, which are single bite-sized bits of chicken-esque product, because I guess now the McNugget is perceived as being too difficult to eat because they require more than one bite, and that's actually work. 
So the sound bites on fish leave out the cold, hard facts. The facts about that pretty pink slab of salmon in your supermarket, that salmon that's become so ubiquitous and so cheap in the last 15 years, that salmon that you buy and eat so readily because you know who on the Today Show says you should, and your doctor says you should, and you know you should eat food, not foodiness, and that slab of salmon isn't foodiness. Or is it? Well, it's not wearing Jimmy Choo's, and it doesn't have fake boobs, and it isn't wearing a $2,000 purse made in China out of plastic, so it's got to be food, right? And it has that beautiful pink, rosy salmon glow, so it looks good. It looks healthy. You may think, certainly, that the salmon gets its pretty pink color from nature, but it doesn't. It actually gets it from dye. Yes, farmed salmon is dyed like so many heads of red hair on reality TV, so that it looks like wild salmon. There's actually even a color chart with hundreds of different shades of pinky-orange color for producers to choose from. Why do you think they call that color salmon? Now, before you get too overwhelmed or freaked out about farm salmon, let me just break it down for you here, because that's what Let's Get Real is all about. It's about getting real. So wild salmon in the wild, meaning not farmed, eat what salmon are supposed to eat, which are smaller fish and krill, which are also teeny little sea creatures, and plankton and algae. And all of those foods that it eats in the wild are what give it its its deep pink or its red color. When animals in the wild eat green stuff like algae or grass, it gives them beta carotene, which in salmon makes them pink and in eggs makes the yolk deep orange. And butter and cheese make them yellow. That's where it comes from, beta-carotene. Farm salmon, though, are fed corn and soybeans and fish meal and feather meal, and it never gets to that color that we associate with salmon. It's more like beigey pink, like a Band-Aid color. Who would want to eat fish that's Band-Aid color? So the first foodiness in disguise element to farm salmon is that it's pink hue, is as fake as a pink fruit roll-up. Now, salmon, in its pre-foodiness halcyon days, was an occasional luxury fish. It was seasonal, and it had to be caught by hand, and it was expensive and special. Pre-industrial days, it was a lot more plentiful, a hundred years or so. Pre-industrial revolution days, I should say. It was a lot more plentiful, but its numbers have been very limited since we destroyed its natural habitat which, of course, are rivers that we dammed up for hydroelectric power and for irrigation. And then we poisoned those remaining rivers with industrial and farming runoff, our factories, our pesticides, our fertilizers. And then we overfished what was left. Bye-bye. No more salmon. So after that great series of events in human history, salmon wasn't eaten much. You had to go to Alaska or to the Pacific Northwest and catch it and then ship it back east. There was none left here. The eastern or the Atlantic salmon hasn't been eaten in any great amounts for almost 100 years. The West Coast has done a much better job of preserving their wild salmon population, and it's very tightly controlled. But us liberal elite college boys on the East Coast, we fucked it up, like we always do. Just look at the Democratic Party and what we did to them. So about 50 years ago, salmon farming was invented. It seemed like a great idea. Bring back the Atlantic salmon. But let's feed it surplus corn and soybeans. 
which if you listen to this show and remember anything, is the basis of our entire food system. But it's cheap. It makes animals gain weight really quickly. It makes them fat. So fatten them up real good, real fast. Dye the pink flesh. Keep them in pens, either on land or in the sea. Crowd it in, of course, so that they get sick and need antibiotics. Then kill them, fillet them, and sell it at Costco for $4 a pound within a couple of days. Now that is progress. And I fell for it too. For years, I read and I heard that skinny bitch on TV saying, eat more salmon. And I went to an acupuncturist who told me, take more fish oil, eat more salmon. And so I did. But then I started reading and I started learning. I didn't have me to listen to back then, but I did plenty of learning on my own. And it turns out that salmon don't really enjoy eating corn or soybeans. Maybe those wild salmon who swim across Iowa every year through the cornfields to get home like to stop off in those fields for a snack. But most of them don't really like it. They like algae and tiny fish and bigger fish and whatever other water life they can get their jaws on because they're voracious carnivores. Carnivores, they eat meat, not corn and soybeans. And all that water life fills them with omega-3s which are what humans need to keep our hearts and arteries healthy and flexible and prevent heart disease. And whereas that morning show nutritionist leaves out the fact that you should not eat farm salmon and should instead eat wild salmon because it's just too negative, or maybe she doesn't even know, she doesn't leave out that salmon have omega-3s and that they are good for your heart. Now, everybody knows what an omega-3 is. Well, almost everybody. So we can handle that little piece of complicated nutritional news. But we can't handle the fact that you don't get the right amount of omega-3s from the farm salmon she's promoting. We all know we're supposed to eat them. We all know they're good for us. It's almost enough to make you think you can't trust morning news talk shows. So, to pick up where she left off, corn and soybeans don't have omega-3s. They have omega-6s. So when you eat farm salmon, you get more omega-6 and less omega-3. Yes, we do as humans need a little bit of omega-6. But what we need is a balance, and the balance is nowhere near the balance that we're getting. Too much omega-6 can actually be very unhealthy and can cause heart disease. And that's another thing she leaves out before she leaves the set. Teeters off in her little heels to go get her teeth whitened again. The farm salmon can not only not be good for your heart, it can increase your chances of heart disease. But she just made her five grand for her appearance. She knows the producers don't want her bringing the morning show viewers bad news. She knows she wants to get hired back so she can afford to hire that surrogate. So you don't get that little detail in the healthy eating segment. And that's unfortunate. So the fact is we need that balance of omega-3s and omega-6s. But the balance, like I said, very tilted. Great. And if that's not enough, farm fish are also fed fish meal and feather meal. Uh, yeah, that's what I said. Feather meal, like from chickens. Like ground up feathers from chickens fed to fish. To make the fish meal, they have to catch fish. Usually small herring, called manhedon. It takes about two pounds of wild fish to produce one pound of farm fish. So every pound of farm fish produced as edible protein creates a deficit in the ocean of a pound of food. Taking away the food for the other wild predator species. Nice system, right? So why aren't we just eating the herring instead? 
Well, I do. I love herring and sardines and all the other little fish that get scooped up into the fish food pellet factory. But when you tell Americans to eat oily fish, they only want it if it's bland and safe, like chicken breast, which is kind of what farmed salmon is, the chicken breast of the sea. Or tuna, because raw, it's like beef, and canned, it's like dust. But if you mix enough mayo with dust, even dust tastes pretty good. So we're growing corn and soybeans and we're catching tons of smaller fish to create food for another fish that we then eat. It seems kind of silly, doesn't it? And in the process, we're creating an unhealthy, even potentially damaging food product since farm fish accumulate toxins in their fatty tissues and salmon are full of fat. Stuff like mercury and PCBs and pesticides like DDT and dioxin, which get concentrated in their flesh as they're fed their processed, intensified food. And all that stuff comes from environmental pollution and farm runoff and coal-burning power plant emissions, and it works its way up the food chain. Jeez. Mercury? Seriously? The only good mercury ever was Freddie Mercury. We have to take a quick break. We'll be back. In a pretty cabinet Let them eat cake, she says Just like Marie Antoinette a building a remedy For Chris Job and Kennedy And at a time of imitation You can't take Caviar and cigarettes Well-versed in etiquette Extraordinarily nice She's a killer Queen Got body genetine Dynamite with a laser beam to blow your mind Ooh, Recommended at the boost Insatiable and appetite Wanna try Welcome back to Let's Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica Wise, your host. And speaking of the only good Mercury ever. So you say, okay, I hear you. That's it. I got it. No more farm salmon. Only wild. Now, you know, after all, at Let's Get Real, we're not afraid to tell you the negative, complicated news. We are here for you, doing it for your own good. I know the truth hurts, but I am here to help you. Well, good luck eating wild salmon, my friends. Now, wild salmon is available. It comes from Alaska, mostly, and it's expensive, We got so used to that cheap, pink, bland, salmonoid slab product that if you offered wild salmon to people, a lot of them probably wouldn't like it. It has a stronger flavor. It's drier. You have to know how to cook it, which is gently. And it costs a lot more money. Now, your food doesn't have to be cheap. We just want it to be cheap. Keep that in mind. The other option, of course, is canned salmon, and all canned salmon is wild. I grew up eating canned salmon. Back in the 70s, we didn't have any fresh salmon. No, we ate canned salmon. And I thought it was a little gross when I was a kid, but actually, I really like it now. Now, you know the canned salmon in the can still has the bones in it, too, right? Well, you eat it bones and all, so you get this kind of nice big dose of calcium while you're at it, too. And you can still buy canned salmon. I buy it at Costco, and it's actually pretty good. I'll just mix it into a big salad or I mush it up and I put it on a sandwich. Now, cans have their own whole big mess of foodiness-related problems, too, like BPA in the liners and all that other stuff. And, you know, BPA is an endocrine disruptor, so, you know, you may 
ladies, you might grow a mustache or gentlemen, you may get man boobs, but you won't have mercury poisoning. So you'll still be smart enough to realize why it's happening. Okay. So you see how what appears to be just food, just real honest food is actually like second or third degree foodiness. It's so deceptive and it's so evil. It's like in the Matrix. You know, I love to talk about the Matrix. When Agent Smith turns the Oracle herself into a copy of himself, foodiness takes something real that we're all told is good for us and it fucks with it. And did you ever notice that the Oracle was almost always seen in her kitchen baking? She did like foodiness candy, though, but she was just a program. So it's okay. The point is that the Oracle actually hung out in a kitchen. But uh, yet again, I'm getting sidetracked by a matrix analogy. You know, there are no labels on real food. I mean, first of all, nature doesn't make labels. All those Mr. Burns slash Rumsfeld foodiness executives who pay off the FDA, they make the labels. Now, more specifically, what I'm saying is your salmon doesn't have to say it's farmed or it's wild. If it's wild, it'll definitely say that, though, because it's a point of pride and it's a way to explain the price. But be very careful because there's a lot of trickery and deception out there. There's a lot of farmed salmon being sold as wild salmon. Now, if your farmed salmon actually had a label on it, an honest, real label on it that said, farmed salmon, fed corn, soybeans, feather meal, and fish meal, added antibiotics and fungicides, and may contain a harmful balance of omega-6 to omega-3. Would you still buy it? Probably not. The truth hurts. Or what about all that farm tilapia that's flooding the market now? Tilapia, it's everywhere. I've seen that show up everywhere. Restaurants, stores, tilapia, tilapia. Well, you know what? Watch out because tilapia is farmed. And guess where a lot of it is farmed? from yes china china where lead poisoning is practically a human right now i'm not sure i trust what goes into that fish farm's feed if it's coming from china because they put melamine into milk and they make soy sauce from human hair so what's going on in that fish tank so let me just say that despite all this really dour kind of negative news you don't have to stop eating fish you should just avoid the foodiness fish. In the case of salmon, it just means eat wild. Now, yeah, wild salmon is way more expensive, wildly more expensive. But a recent study by JAMA, was it JAMA? FAMA, one of those AMAs, said that women who eat just one serving of oily fish per week could reduce the risk of cardiac arrest by 50%. That is huge. So you don't have to have it three times a week. Once a week is plenty. And as for the change in flavor, we've already thoroughly explored on LGR, let's get real, that your taste buds have to adjust during your transition from foodiness to food. And that includes the transition from real food that's been messed with by foodiness to real food that hasn't been. It's about readjusting. My co-producer on this show, Chris Nutter, used to eat farm salmon a lot before I got him to stop listening to morning TV and start listening to me. And he said that at first the flavor was a little different, but it took him no time for wild salmon to begin to taste just as good and to taste like what he thought salmon was supposed to taste like. So now he gets his omega-3s and can feel confident in his superiority to people who don't. And that's really what this is about, isn't it? 
feeling superior and smug in our liberal elite bubble, right? So how do you get wild salmon? Well, most grocery stores don't carry it. It's too expensive. They don't want to risk the loss of not selling it. So you have to go to a fish counter, which means it doesn't come in a package. Ask your fish guy. Ask for proof. And if you're eating out, you'll probably have to ask if it's wild. But just remember... It's little things like that that separate people who think they're in the ivory tower eating farm salmon to people in the actual ivory tower who know to eat wild. Of course, until we find out there's something wrong with wild, and then I'll have to redo the show. But there are even cheaper ways to get your omega-3s. As I said, you can buy a can. You can, can buy a can of wild salmon. I do it, and if it's good enough for Let's Get Real, it's good enough for you. But there are other little oily fishies in the sea, too, that get left out of the healthy eating food segments all the time. Things like herring, sardines, anchovies, mackerel, my favorite fish. Don't fear the little oily fishies. They are what you need. They are super tasty, and they are not a generic slab of chicken of the fish farm. And because I brought up tuna before, I have to go there now, before I run out of time. Now, the good news is that getting real about tuna is super easy. The bad news about getting real about tuna is that the news sucks. What I mean is, don't eat any tuna, period. Why? Because tuna are fucked up for so many reasons, and we need to leave them alone and let them recover. We have fished tuna to the brink of near extinction. By using mile-long gill nets and massively efficient fishing operations, we are raping the sea of tuna. They are being harvested in huge amounts, and tuna are very large, very slow-growing fish. They take about 25 years to replace themselves. So their numbers are plummeting across the board in all species, and they need to be left alone. Even if people say, oh, no, no, you can eat albacore, you can eat this... Don't eat any tuna. So if we all continued to eat tuna, there won't be any tuna. Tuna isn't like potato chips where they can just make more. Once it's gone, it's gone. Imagine a world with no tuna. That's where we are. That's where we're headed. Now, if those reasons don't bother you, you think, whatever, I'll be dead in a few years. I'm going to eat as much tuna as I want. How about this? There's so much accumulated mercury in tuna flesh that eating it just once a month can actually cause brain damage. And you thought it was all that E that you took back in the 90s doing that to you? No, it's the tuna. So maybe if you stopped eating it, your brain would realize that it's been damaged and then stop eating it forever. Now, where does the mercury in the tuna come from? Well, like I mentioned before, coal-burning power plants and manufacturing factories. Yes. If you burn coal, the coal creates emissions, smoke. The coal is full of dust. The coal emission smoke is full of coal dust. That's what I mean to say. That smoke floats out over the earth, over the sea, and lands in the sea full of tiny little particles of coal dust, mercury dust basically. Now, the plankton, which are the creatures on the bottom of the food chain, they're the lowest organisms on the food chain, they eat algae. But they aren't really smart. They're so small that their brains are really, really tiny, so they can't tell the difference between algae and little tiny bits of coal dust. And in that coal dust is methylmercury. And when those plankton eat that methylmercury, 
they digest it and in the process they actually metabolize it and turn it into a more toxic form of mercury that is then harmful to humans. If we were just swimming around in the ocean eating that mercury, it actually wouldn't hurt us. But the plankton digest it, convert it, and make it harmful to us. So then the plankton eat it, and then the little fish eat it, and then the bigger fish eat the little fish, and the bigger fish eat those fish, and it works its way all the way up the food chain. Now, here's a complexity alert for you. I'm going to get complex here. So if you haven't already destroyed your brain with too much tuna, you should all listen and remember that you should also avoid these other top mercury fish. It's not just tuna. Shark, swordfish, tilefish, and king mackerel are all in that top five mercury list for fish. Tuna, shark, swordfish, tilefish, and king mackerel. Those are the big ones from the Caribbean, not the little good ones sold on the East Coast, the Atlantic mackerel. They're just fine. You can eat those. Okay, but all those fish, think about them. They're all really big, really big. They're all really slow growing, and they all have fatty, oily tissue top of the food chain full of mercury and since tuna are at the top top of the ocean food chain along with of course the sharks they get the most of it and then when we eat it we get a big dose of it now all tuna has mercury all mercury causes brain damage so much that the fda says pregnant women and children shouldn't eat any tuna at all and adults should limit it severely so then why eat it at all If they say women and children shouldn't eat it, why would anybody else eat it? And why do restaurants insist on still serving it? Why do TV chefs still do segments on ways to cook tuna for your summer picnics? Why does the public still demand it? Last Thanksgiving weekend, I was put in charge of finding a restaurant for a family gathering that we were having 14 people for lunch in New Jersey on Black Friday. So I looked and I looked online. I looked at every restaurant I could find on Open Table, on Yelp, just to find like a decent place that could take a party of 14 people for lunch on Black Friday, including a bunch of little kids. And every menu that I looked at had at least one tuna item featured on it, either a tartare or a seared tuna app or a seared bluefin entree, a big hunk of it on every single menu. If the public knew what they were doing by eating it, Maybe they could tell those places to take it off their menu. When I eat at a restaurant that serves fish that are either dangerously overfished or dangerously toxic or both in the case of tuna, I tell them. I don't care if the waiter or the manager don't listen and don't give a shit. I care. I know that that waiter and that manager just care about, you know, those lines of blow waiting for them in the back staff bathroom. But I like to tell them anyway. When it comes to foodiness propaganda... Tuna is the people's paradise. It's about to be extinct, and in the meantime, it's causing us brain damage. Oh, but look, honey, there's tuna tartare on the menu. You know how much little Lexi loves tuna tartare, and it's so sophisticated. Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. So if you want to see the tuna saved, stop eating it. You can even order little cards from the Monterey Bay Aquarium website to leave on the table in restaurants that tells that restaurant, oh, so very politely, that they really should stop serving those poor overfished fishies and give their customers some better options, like sardines and mussels and squid and all the good things that we can eat. Now, one more complexity alert, in case you're not totally addled and overwhelmed by now. There are even farmed fish 
that are better for you than farmed salmon or tuna. Farmed trout, farmed Arctic char, much better because they consume far fewer marine resources and much less food and they're farmed in closed systems. So they can't pollute the oceans and they can't escape. Escaped farmed salmon are a really big problem. They're like convicts that escape and they breed with the wild salmon stocks and then create weakness in the, in the greater gene pool. And that causes the wild salmon stocks to become even more threatened and risk collapse. I know it all sounds like way too much information and you're saying, okay, I get it. Enough already, but maybe think of it this way. When farm salmon escape, it's like if a couple of those Dugar kids escaped the compound in Oklahoma and started breeding outside of their family. It would introduce a race of freakishly fertile blonde kids with bad hair. Not a good thing to allow to happen. And remember this, too, about tuna. Tuna, up until about 100 years ago, was considered trash food in Japan. They didn't like it. It was what prisoners were fed. It was too dark, too oily, too smelly for the refined taste of the Japanese who preferred their fish white and lean. They didn't actually develop a taste for tuna until Commodore Perry and the U.S. Navy sailed into Japan and brought with them a taste for beef. And once the Japanese tasted beef and they learned to love beef, like us, they soon realized that tuna, with its fatty red flesh, was pretty darn close to beef, and they had tons of them right there on their own shores, their very own beef analogs swimming right there. So tuna became a major part of the Japanese diet and cuisine. And now the Chinese have developed a taste for sushi, all 50 billion of them. And all those bad restaurants in New Jersey insist on it. And here we are, 100 years later, all dressed up at the party and nothing left to eat. Now, let's get real. What does not eating tuna mean? It means when you order sushi, you make a point not to order tuna. Just think how superior, superior you'll appear to be at the table with all those drunken coworkers who don't know any better. It means you have to learn to eat other fish, like I said, like sardines and mackerel and anchovies and herring that maybe you didn't grow up eating like you did tuna fish sandwiches on white bread, but that's okay because if you can learn other conscientious behavior like recycling or driving a Prius or not watching Jersey Shore, you can learn how to not eat tuna. And as I point out in every episode, it's easy to get real in some areas of food and it's harder in other areas. And getting real about fish is kind of a toughie. It's definitely harder than, say, telling you to eat fruit instead of fruit bars or vegetables instead of veggie puffs. It's more complex than that. But if you can watch all three Matrix films and understand who's a person and who's a program and where Zion is and how an actor famous for playing a drag queen went on to play an evil agent program in a sci-fi trilogy... Or watch Mad Men and understand Don's motivation for leaving Megan at Howard Johnson's? Or read The Economist and understand what they're talking about? Then you can remember to eat wild salmon and not eat tuna. That's all you need to know for now. It's kind of like saying, just vote Democratic. It's more complex than that, but it's a start. And just remember, foodiness lurks everywhere. Don't fall for it and don't be a victim. And don't wear Jimmy Choo's to a lake party, especially if you'll be fishing. And remember, if you don't want to eat shit, keep listening to Let's Get Real. We're out of time. Thanks to Joe in the control room. Thanks to Chris Nutter, my co-producer and writer. And Mariska Bland this week was my research assistant. Thank you to her. And we'll see you next week.
Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.